Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the morning. If you have your Bibles, turn quickly uh, with me to 1 Kings chapter 18 and uh, also to Acts chapters 1 and 2. I'm going to be reading a lot of scripture this morning and uh, be giving you a lot of foundation today for uh, the message that I'm going to be sharing with you. We're concluding our series today on the altar and uh, our series text has been found in Revelations 3, 19 through 20. Let me read that to you one final time as we conclude this altar series today. It says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him, dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as also I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Throughout this series, we've been talking about the altar and the impact that the altar has on our lives, and it really does... Uh, in this, mess, in this uh, text that I just read to you, really embody everything that the altar is about. It's about God changing us. He says, to whom I rebuke, I chasten. It's about Him knocking on the door of our heart and drawing us into a deeper relationship with Him. And it's also about Him speaking to us and giving us new understanding and new revelation, new knowledge of how we can best serve Him, how we can best live for Him, and how we best can advance His purpose in our lives and in this church and in, its, in this community. Last week I continued speaking to you on uh, establishing the altar. And I said in order to establish the altar we must establish the sacrifice of the altar. We talked about a daily time of sacrifice. A daily time of devotion. A daily time where you go before the Lord. A daily time where you spend offering God you. Because really what He wants as a sacrifice is your life. He wants you giving yourself to Him and honoring Him with everything that you do. We talked about we must establish the source of the altar. That we know the answer to the world's questions. And His name is Jesus. He is the source of everything that we have need of in our life. He is the source of all hope. He is the source of all peace. He is the source of all the things that our hearts desire. It is found in Jesus Christ. And so let's turn again to our passage that we've preached from in verse 36, and I'm going to use that as my uh, initial context, and then we're going to turn to Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. 1 Kings 18.36 says, And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell. Underline that. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell. The fire of the Lord fell. Elijah came to the showdown between the prophets of Baal with an expectation. 
And that expectation was that the fire of God would fall. That God would show up in the midst of that showdown. That he would express himself great in the midst of all the idolatry. And he would proclaim loudly and clearly that he is still God. And he still sits upon the throne. And there is no one that will ever replace him at that position. He's still God in your life whether you realized it or not. He's still God over your situation, whether you've allowed Him to be or not. He's still the Lord that can do whatever you need done. And the fire of God that fell on Mount Carmel is still the fire of God that can fall in your life if you will allow it to fall. So this morning I want to preach to you on that subject, expecting the fire. Would you help me pray? Father, we thank you today for your spirit and your power that we feel in this place. Lord, I pray that you anoint me to preach the word of God. Lord, equip me to communicate truths and principles that will help us to live rightfully before you. God, we give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. We as a church are looking for the fire to fall on our church. The fire represents the move of God. It represents his empowerment It represents His cooperation. It represents His transforming work. It represents the Holy Spirit at work in you. On the heels of expectancy, God always moves. It's on the heels of expectancy that God moves. It's through expectation that our faith is expressed and His power is released. Elijah came to the mountain that day looking with an expectation for God to send the fire and express Himself great, show Himself mighty, and show Himself powerful in the midst of that situation. And so the question for us this morning is how do we build and maintain the expectation for the fire of God? And so I want to share with you four things we must understand to build and maintain that expectation. Let's look uh, to Acts chapter 1 and pick it up in verse 4. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. It says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus shares with his disciples before his ascension into heaven. This is after his crucifixion, after his death, burial, and resurrection. And God is standing on the Mount of Olives about to ascend to heaven. And he says to his disciples, go to Jerusalem. Wait on me for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Let's look back to Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. When John the Baptist is speaking concerning Jesus Christ, this is what he says. He says, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire. Somebody say fire. With Holy Spirit and fire. And so the first thing we have to understand this morning in building and maintaining expectation is we must understand the promise of the fire. God has promised to send His fire into the church. And I already mentioned to you, but let me say again, the fire of God, when we speak of the fire, we're talking about the empowerment of God in our lives. We're talking about His transforming work. We're talking about the Holy Spirit equipping us to do what God has called us to do. Acts 1 and 8 says, For you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. 
He's talking about the power, empowerment to live the life for Jesus Christ. Pastor, I've been struggling. I have a hard time living this day in and day out. I've come to tell you this morning there's hope for you. And it's called the fire of the Holy Spirit resting on your life. If you want power to overcome, if you want power to be more than what you are today, if you want the equipping you need to be powerful for God, this is the answer for you. God, we have an expectation for fire to fall on our lives. Burn up the chaff in our life. Burn up those things that are not pleasing to you and refine us with the refiner's fire. The Holy Spirit empowerment. Jesus tells his disciples, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. What is the promise of the Father? Joel 2.28 tells us what that promise is. It says this, it says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Do you know that this is one of the great I will statements in the Bible? I will pour out my spirit. I will give you the keys. I will tear down the gates of hell. I will come back for you again. This is one of those great I will statements that God gives us. And that is I will pour out my spirit. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. In those days your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men's servants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. The promise of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the fire of God. Peter confirms this promise in Acts 2.15 when he says, For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Peter also makes it applicable to all of us. In Acts 2.39 when he says, For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. You say to me, what are you talking about, Pastor? I'm saying that this is for you today. This is for you now. This is not something that happened in the days of old. This is not something that was just for the first century church. But this is for the church until Jesus Christ returns. He's looking for a bride. He's looking for a church that will walk in the power of God. That will not be ashamed to live for Him. And will have the spirit empowerment needed to make a difference in the world around them. You are that church this morning. You are that people. And you are the ones God has called to be more than what the world is. Amen. The promise of the Father has been given to you and to your children. Understand that that promise is for you this morning. That it is for you. So many people today live just saved. And being saved is wonderful. You have to have salvation in your life. You have to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. You have to have that committed relationship. But that is not the end of your journey with God. That is only the beginning of your journey with God. And once you've been saved, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and with the fire of God that He promised us in Scripture. Say, Pastor, I don't know about that. I understand that. I do. I get it. But what I'm saying to you is every single one of us ought to want all that God has for us. Amen? And if God has something for me, He has it for my good, He has it for my best interest in mind, and He has it so I can be the best version of me that I possibly can be. And so this promise is for you this morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, this promise is for you. The promise has been given 
by the Father. And the promise builds expectation. Do you know promises build expectation? Do you know that? Promises build expectation. In other words, if April says to me, I promise I've got something for you when you get home and you're going to like it. I have an expectation. And I want to like it when I get home. And if I come home and she says, oh, I forgot. Devastated. (laughs) Just destroyed. Why? Because an expectation has been built. Why? Because a promise was given. God gives us promises throughout His Word. And that ought to build expectation in our hearts. And I told you before, expectation unlocks the door to God's blessings in your life. It unlocks the things of the kingdom to you. And so we ought to have some expectations. And I'm talking to you this morning about having an expectation for the fire of God to fall not only on your life, but also His church and on His community. And it starts with individuals that hunger for that. The promise is for you. You want the fire of God in your life. If you want the fire of God in your life, it is available to you today. Acts 2 and 1, moving on, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set up on each of them. Underline that. That's, that's important. Underline that. Under, and one set up on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The second thing we must understand, we have to understand, is we must prepare for the fire. We must prepare for the fire. The disciples have a command from the Lord, and that is to go and wait for me, in, or go and wait for the promise in Jerusalem. They go and they stay in Jerusalem. They find a room that they can seek the Lord from. They are united and expectant for what God has promised. They stayed in the upper room for ten days, waiting on God to deliver on the promise He gave them. The move of God always requires a people people to be obedient to the will and plan of God. A people in unity, a people expecting, and a people seeking the Lord. They were all in one mind and one accord in the upper room. They were obedient in the upper room. They were dedicated in the upper room. They were committed to the purpose of the upper room. And when the people do those things, the fire of God will fall. The fire of God will fall. This series has been about us getting hungry and seeking after what God wants to do. That's what the altar represents for me. As a pastor and as just a a Christian and as a person that has been raised in church my entire life and, and followed the Lord from a young age, the altar represents a hunger and a thirst for God, a desire to have a meeting with Him. An encounter, a place where I'm changed, a place where God speaks, a place where God doesn't leave me the same way I came in, but He transforms me and makes me different and makes me what He desires for me to be. That's what the altar's about. You can't replace the altar. You can never replace the altar. 
You can never say the altar doesn't apply anymore. It's not relevant anymore. Listen, it's always relevant. Jesus Christ laid upon the altar for your sins and my sins. He made it relevant 2,000 years ago and it still applies today. And if I want to be what God is calling me to be, I must also lay myself upon the altar and allow Him to do the work He desires to do in my life. Amen. If Elijah had not prepared the wood and the sacrifice and set the stage for the miraculous, the fire would not have fallen. If the disciples had not gathered in the upper room and waited on and sought for God, the promise of the Holy Spirit, they would, not, they would have missed what God wanted to do. And in the same way, we must prepare ourselves for what God wants to do in us. We have to seek Him. We have to stay united. We have to stay obedient to His will and plan. And we have to wait with an expectant heart and God will send the fire of His Spirit. He will do the miraculous through us and for us. He will do it again. He will do it again. I believe with all my heart He's looking for a church to work in. He's looking for a people that will be pliable and willing to be used by Him. People that will not live by preconceived ideas but will allow God to interject new ideas new methodologies and new ways of connecting with a world that is dying and lost and in desperate need of Him. And if we can be that church, God will use us. Amen. Verse 37 says, Acts 2 verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 41, Then those who gladly received His word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. What we find here in verse 37 is that Peter and the other apostles have been seeking God in the upper room, waiting on the promise of the Father. God sends the promise. He sends the Holy Spirit. They're baptized in the Spirit. They're speaking in other tongues and they are empowered by God to do what God is asking them to do. The crowd outside hear the rumble. They hear the stirring. They hear what is happening in the room. And Peter takes this as an opportunity to step out and begin to teach them. This same Jesus that you crucified died on the cross for your sins. And He is here today to save you and deliver you from who you are. And it says here they were cut to the heart. That they repented. And that day 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus Christ. What can happen when we are empowered by the fire of God in our lives? There is no limits to what God can do. And so the third thing we must must understand is we must pass the fire. We must pass the fire. We must share the fire. When the fire of God fell on the disciples, it says the people heard this and they were cut to the heart. When the fire fell from a, from a, for Elijah, the word tells us that the people were turned back to God. It says here in verse uh, 
Verse 39 of 1 Kings 18, it says, Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. There is something about when the fire falls, it convicts the hearts of men. It stirs them in the deepest recesses of their minds and moves them to a place where they recognize and understand that without God, I have nothing. But with Jesus Christ, there is hope for me. There is a future for me. And there is something better to live for than what I'm currently living for right now. The fire of God resting upon you is is so others can see the God you serve. When is the last time your passion for Jesus Christ moved other people? When is the last time that our desire for God and our fervor for Him and our deep commitment to Him stirred the very people we sat next to in church? When is the last time that I worshiped with so intensity that it moved the person next to me to lift their hands and lift their voices and move toward an experience with God? Where is that fire? We need it in our day. We need it in our church. We need it in our communities. They need to see the fire of transformation and people need to feel the fire of conviction. When Peter stepped out, The fire of God was resting on him in such a way that it cut to the very hearts of everyone that could hear. It said they were moved. They were cut to the heart and they responded to him. What must we do to be saved? We want what you got. We see something in you that we don't have and we want what you have. We want what you got. We see now that we need what you have. Oh, we've hidden Jesus so much, so many times that the world can't even see what they need from us. And I'm saying get him out from under the bushel. Get him out of his hiding place and present him to the world that is hungry for him. He is the source. He is the answer. He is what they need. Where is the fire of God that causes men and women to cry out to him and acknowledge their need for him? 2 Chronicles 7 and 1. Let's move there for just a moment. I want to just set something up here for you for my last point. When Solomon had finished praying, it says fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifice. This is at the dedication of the temple. Solomon went through great efforts and great work to build a temple that is... Magnificent. It's, it's, it's awe-inspiring when you really understand and read about it. He builds this temple and upon the dedication service, he begins to pray. And this is where we're at here in verse 1 of chapter 7. Fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifice and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, He is good, His mercy endures forever. At the dedication of the Old Testament temple, God sends His presence and His fire. If you go back even further in Scripture, and I don't have this for you just for sake of time, if you go to the tabernacle and even the dedication of the tabernacle, It was not the job of the priest to light the fire initially. It was God's place always to send the fire. He supernaturally started the fire for the tabernacle. He supernaturally started the fire for the temple. 
And now let's look in the New Testament and see how that applies to us today. At the dedication of the New Testament temple, God does it again. In Acts 2 and 2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Does that sound like it in verse 7 and 1 of 2 Chronicles? It says in verse 3, Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one set upon each of them. In the New Testament, as the temple shifts from brick and stone to flesh and blood, as no longer do we consider the temple a house of mortar, a house of brick, a house of a man's creation, but rather Jesus says you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And upon the dedication of the New Testament temple, it says a flame of fire set upon each one of their heads. Because each one of them represented the temple of the Holy Spirit in the age that we live in today. You are the temple. You are the one that God wants to supernaturally send His fire upon. He wants you to to rest in that presence of the Holy Spirit and be empowered by it. The Holy Spirit comes and rests on their head. The the, the fire of God is, is represented in that. And we see here in the Word that God will send the initial fire at the dedication of the temple, but it is the church's job after the fire has been lit to keep it burning. God starts the fire, but you are to keep the fire burning. God will initiate the fire, but it's up to you to keep the fire burning. The tabernacle fire was kept burning by the, by the priest. The temple fire was kept burning by the priest. And when it was neglected, the fire went out. In the New Testament, the fire represent, is rested upon each and every one of us as His children. As we receive that dedication of the Spirit in our lives. And it's up to us as His children and as His temple to keep that fire burning. Why does He say you are priests? You are kings and priests with Christ Jesus. You have the duties to keep the fire burning. So the fourth thing we must understand is simply we have to understand we must protect the fire. In the words of Ariel Speedwagon, we have to keep the fire burning. Amen. Truth is truth, right? <laughs> you got to keep the fire burning. You got to keep the flame lit. You've got to keep motivated and spiritually equipped for what God is doing. And I'm saying to you, even though salvation is not the uh, end of your experience with God, being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not the end of your experience with God either. It is an entrance into, let me say it again, it is an entrance into a deeper walk with God. It is an entrance into a deeper sanctification process with God. It starts something that will not be completed until you step over into glory and you are glorified with Jesus Christ. Amen. Luke 12, 49, as I move to close, it says... Jesus, this is Jesus speaking, he says, I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. Jesus said, I've come to send fire on this earth, and he says, I wish it was already ablaze. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and God wants us to keep the fire of his presence and passion burning bright. 2 Timothy 1 and 6 says this, For this reason I remind you, 
to fan and to flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave us, gave us, uh, He gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Verse 14 says this, Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. We've got to protect the fire. We've got to protect the fire. God has lit the flame. He's stirring up a dedication of a temple, a dedication of a New Testament temple that is going to be fanned into flame. But listen, it's up to the church to keep it burning. It's up to the church to keep passionate. It's up to the church to keep moving. It's up to the church to keep adding fuel to that fire. It's up to the church to keep that fan, that flame fanned into a blaze. It's up to the church. We are expecting the fire of God to fall on this church. Me and April are expecting the fire of God to fall on this church. A few more of you are. Maybe we can get the whole crowd here. We are expecting the fire of God to fall on this church. Don't pass us by. Don't pass us by. We are your vessel. Use us, God. We are expecting the fire of God to fall on this church. Set us ablaze for the sake of God's purpose. And for that to happen, we have to understand the promise of the fire. He said he would send it and he has sent it. We must understand we need to prepare for the fire. We must be ready for what God is going to do and is doing. We must understand that it is our calling to pass the fire on to others, to share with them what God has given us and pass the flame of passion on to others. And we must understand that it is our high duty, our high calling, our priestly charge to protect the fire and keep it burning in our lives and in the church. It is our duty. I'm going to ask Jennifer to come to the keyboard this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand with me across this place. As she's coming and Here's here's what I want to say to you this morning. This is not in my notes, but I feel like I need to say this to you. Fire without form is deadly. Fire without having a mechanism in which it is funneled is deadly. But fire that is funneled properly can be used to move machinery, It can be used to create wonderful things. If it is funneled and put into the right process, it can move mountains. It can move mountains. You're going to go out in a moment and you're going to start your car. And I'm just telling you that if that fire is not controlled in the right way, it's not going to be pretty. But if that fire does what it's created to do, it's going to get you home. It's going to get you where you want to go. And I'm saying the same thing applies in the church. We're not going to have a bunch of wildfires. But what we are going to do is we're going to allow the fire of God to fall and to work through a system and a structure and a process that advances and lifts the church so that it is impactful and life-changing to you and to the community around you. Amen? Amen. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We would love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. 
If you would like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street in Burkrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river. Till I found myself face down on your shore. You say, Come to the river.